You are listening to Devan's Baby Buzz podcast. Devan is the Delaware Valley chapter of the National Association of Neonatal Nurses. Devan's Baby Buzz is a podcast addressing the hot topics in neonatal nursing. The program features interviews with various experts and is hosted by the Devan Board of Trustees. We are offering expert opinions, helpful tips, and honest advice. For more information on our chapter or to suggest a podcast topic, please check out our website, devannurses.org. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Devan's Baby Buzz podcast. My name is Jennifer, and I will be your host for this evening's session. Today, we want to spend some time talking to the community concern of COVID-19. Today, we will be meeting with Joy Fleming, who's a nurse at a Philadelphia hospital and the community outreach director for Devan. We recognize that a lot of concerns right now is the community concern for COVID-19, what it means for us, how we can share up-to-date information, and answering some frequently asked questions that you all want to know answers to. Joy, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Glad to be here. Sorry to be here to have to deal with this, but um, anyway, we can help. Absolutely. Um, So I think one of the first things is really sharing with our listeners what exactly is COVID-19. Okay. So COVID-19 is a group of respiratory viruses that are related to the coronavirus. Um, It's named for coronavirus because of crown-like projections. These viruses have actually been around for a long time, different strains of it. And I've actually taken care of kids before with this these viruses. But this is a different strand. This is a novel coronavirus. um, And they named it COVID-19 because it's the year 2019 that it was it was discovered. The virus is also thought to be like related to different other viruses we have seen more in other countries than here, um, as far as SARS, which was severe acute respiratory syndrome, which was in Asia, and then the MERS outbreak, which was the Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome. Um, But unfortunately, this strand that is highly contagious has now reached our country, and we are now in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And so I know that when talking with even, you know, my neighbors, people at work, um, one of the biggest things that people want to know about are what are the symptoms of COVID-19 and how can people look for if they start to present with symptoms that could be related to COVID-19? Okay. So they're saying that the three main symptoms are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Although in children, and I think in other adults, they may present with more milder symptoms. Children may have like a runny nose and a sore throat. So it's hard to tell, but like, it seems like the telltale sign is like a fever. So because of this now, hospitals are like, um, they're screening their workers as you go into work. I know my place of employment, we have to get temperature scans on our way into work. And if we have any kind of fever, that would be an indication to um, go home and get tested. Yeah, that's helpful. And so if um, people you think, you know, start to develop with maybe a fever and a cough, who should their first phone call be to? So their first phone call should be to their provider. Um, Then Fortunately, they're not testing everybody. 
Um, I believe they will give like a test to healthcare workers. I heard of um, people that were married to healthcare workers, if they have the symptoms, they may test them because of that. And the older population that's um, seeing more symptomatic and more hospitalizations and deaths. So unfortunately, your provider may just tell you quarantine yourself and stay in your house, um, which we're supposed to be doing anyway for, you know, 14 days. Um, wash your hands, be careful around other people in your home. Absolutely. And and that's helpful. And I think you bring up a good point too. maybe um, people that are married to a healthcare professional, or maybe maybe living in the same household and the stress and anxiety that that's co- causing on some people when they know maybe I've come in contact with someone that's become um, symptomatic, or even live in a household where someone either has symptoms or maybe tested positive. Um, can you help us understand what to do if a family member in your house has the virus? So if a person in your house has the virus, the recommendations are that they stay in a separate room where they can eat using disposable utensils and a dedicated trash can. It may not be possible to do this if you have a young child that has the virus. Um, So that recommendation would be just to wash your hands um, and be as clean as possible. And then you should really notify your um, healthcare provider. And if you're a healthcare employee, you should notify your employer and seek guidance of whether you should be reporting to work or not. That's helpful. And I, I think there is a lot of people that are really looking to protect themselves, not only protecting themselves when they live in a household with someone that might be affected or is affected, but protecting themselves in general. Can you uh, make any recommendations for our listeners about how people can best protect themselves during this time? Yes. So um, because the virus is believed to be spread by respiratory droplets from coughing or sneezing, there are some recommendations. They would be like general recommendations if somebody has a cold or the flu. Um, You should avoid crowds and people that are sick. Um, Social distancing, we all are familiar with this term, unfortunately, now as businesses and schools are shutting down. Um, And the big thing with the social distancing is to just limit the impact of the disease, because if more people get the disease, including healthcare workers, we won't have enough people to take care of the patients and we won't have enough equipment. Um, The other thing is they're saying practice good hand washing. You should wash your hands for 20 seconds total. Um, Use hand sanitizer. I know hand sanitizer is now becoming scarce. Um, There are some homemade recipes you can find on the internet, but they say you should have at least 60% alcohol in the hand sanitizer. Um, The ingredients would be like rubbing alcohol, aloe vera gel, and essential oils such as lavender or peppermint, but you can research it yourself, but the guideline is 60% alcohol. Um, You should cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze, obviously, and you should wipe down frequently touched surfaces and objects such as doorknobs and stuff with hand hand sanitary wipes and stuff. That's helpful. Thank you so much. Um, And another population that, of course, we always focus on, especially through our Divan Baby Buzz podcast, is um, our pregnant population and neonatal population. Can you help us understand um, if pregnant women are at an increased risk of getting the disease um, and if babies are at an increased risk of getting the disease as well? Yeah. So, um, so the good thing is, um, even in China and Italy, they're seeing less incidence on on babies and infants. And like, there's two ways a virus can be um, 
passed on from a mom to a baby. The one virus is the one way is called vertical transmission, um, where the fetus gets it during or before, during, or immediately after delivery. Like an example of this would be like the Zika virus. Um, perinatal is when they get it during delivery, delivery through contact with the um, the mother's maternal body fluids. There's some good news that has been what seen in China, like I said, um, there is no like incidents or reports that show that there is vertical transmission. There also has not been any, they have also done studies where they don't see the virus detected in the amniotic fluid. But the concern that they have right now for the virus is that the mother will pass it on to the baby after delivery through caring for the baby. And there's different recommendations that have been made, such as se separating the mother and infant, um, which that could severely impact bonding, and it's a little bit scary to think about. Um, alternatives are maintaining a distance between the baby of six feet and mothers using like protective, personal protective equipment like gloves and masks around the baby and hand washing. As far as pregnant women at increased risk of getting the disease, um, they're the pregnant women, when they're pregnant, your immune system is suppressed. So research has shown that pregnant women, because they have weaker immune systems, can be, have more side effects and be more succumb to the disease. But like I said, again, it's so new, it's so hard to tell. There is also research that shows any woman in her first trimester that develops a high fever, their risk of birth defects are increased. So this could also, you know, be something that can impact on them. But once again, the virus is new and there's like a lot more research that is needed. But for now, like it's not, I feel like it's not as scary for pregnant women as it is for like an elderly person that has um, other chronic diseases such as diabetes and heart disease. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you for those answers. And I think you hit on two things that we want to make sure our listeners are very well aware of. One is that this is a new disease. You know, we're hearing um, media and CDC call this novel. And so the reason we are using verbiage like novel is because it is new and it is unknown and we are navigating through it together. And so there isn't a lot of research on it just yet to share explicitly that concerns like pregnant women and breastfeeding and, you know, babies care or outcomes are known just yet. And so we do want to make sure that all of our listeners are aware that this information is ever changing. And so for those of you that are following through media outlets or the news or listening to it through um, the radio are probably recognizing that day to day, this information is changing drastically. And so we are recording this podcast on March 31st. And the caveat is that this information is only as good as March 31st and the literature and research that or literature and findings that we were able to share with you all. So please know that the big recommendation is to continue to go to CDC, but we did want to make sure that as March came to an end and we knew that this was a big community concern that we really tackled some of these frequently asked questions um, and this topic. Um, the other part that I think you mentioned, which was really helpful in talking about was moms who are maybe um, positive for COVID-19 and how this will affect them immediately postpartum. And, and a big thing that we champion on this podcast is obviously um, 
the importance of breast milk, the value of breast milk, um, if that's an option for mom. Um, do you know anything about um, breastfeeding for moms that maybe maybe have contracted the virus and are looking to provide breast milk to their babies? So the limited data from China shows that virus, the virus of the infected mothers is not present in their breast milk. Another thing was um, breast milk of women that had SARS, which they have done more research on, um, didn't have the disease in it, but had mom's antibodies in it. So for now, preliminary, they're thinking that it is all right to breastfeed. But the concern, again, is the maternal mother touching baby and the baby catching it through other ways. Um, so there is some recommendations on the CDC website that says that the mom should be pumping her breast milk and an uninfected person should be feeding that breast milk to the, to the baby. But like, once again, this really affects the mother infant bonding. So maybe an alternative would just be to like really wash your hand, use protective equipment, like masks, gloves while breastfeeding. Um, it's still probably, I'm not really sure what the practice is being right now in the community. I mean, and like you said, it could change from day to day, but it is a little bit concerning um, to not be able to like, you know, take your baby to the breast and breastfeed your baby and have that bond. Um, but like, I think they will continue to say, you know, pump your breast milk and um, it's probably healthy if you are positive to give the baby those antibodies. Yeah, I think you highlight a really great thing. Um especially the value of bonding, not only for the baby, but for moms. And we did um, a podcast probably a couple years ago now on postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and how that skin to skin can help alleviate moms who are um, suffering from postpartum depression and anxiety. And so, of course, we understand that Although this answer of, you know, having another care provider or support person feed the breast milk to your baby as opposed to you will help decrease the risk of transition of the disease. We know that the trade-off um, could be other implications and bonding issues. And so we do want to make sure everybody who listens understands the answer is geared towards decreasing the risk of transmission of COVID-19. Um, but that there, of course, is a trade-off to decisions when we, you know, affect that mom and baby bonding. So that's that's really helpful. And I think, you know, we continue to hear through media outlets that um, the pediatric and child populations seem to be less affected than our older population. Um, is there any research or any thoughts behind why our children and our babies are having more milder effects than our older population. Yeah, so um, there's a couple different theories. Um, one was a the theory that the like a lot of the kids get this type of coronaviruses like other types and they're therefore less affected um, because they have antibodies. Another theory was it was originally passed from adult to adult. So the virus has more of affinity for adults. But the one that stands out that people are starting to really feel is that adults have a more complex immune system than children. Um, it's kind of the reason why adults, when they get chickenpox, they get sicker. Um, so they're saying this enhanced immune system is causing their bodies to react and to have more severe complications such as respiratory distress syndrome from the virus because they're um, 
I think it's the catecholamine release of the and the immune system that is causing more, you know, them to respond more negatively than children. But it's like I said, it's still new and there's still like a lot of research. But this is just what they're getting from when they're seeing because adults will get sick initially and then five days later they seem to get really sick. Where kids mm-hmm. might just get that mild cold from this. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, and so there's obviously a ton of information out on COVID-19. I think you can't avoid it from anywhere you are, you know, from running to the food store to turning on your radio to turning on your TV. Um, there seems to be an overpouring of information. Any recommendations on where our listeners should go um, to find out more information about COVID or maybe get some answers to some questions that we weren't able to address? So the CDC website and the World Health Organization both have websites that specifically address COVID-19. There's even detailed sections on moms and babies and recommendations for like labor and delivery and just specific information. They also have statistics on their website. Um, The March of Dimes actually has a lot of information on their website where they but they also refer you to the CDC. Um, So the March of Dimes is starting a new fund and they're just trying to specifically address coronavirus in the like maternal child health population. So they have different goals. And one of their goals is to do more research on the effects of COVID-19 on pregnant and lactating women. They also want advocacy to call on government officials. They want them to include pregnant and lactating women in clinical trials and make sure they have access to the vaccine or therapeutics once they're developed. And then their other goal is to just educate families on the latest information of COVID-19. So you can also go on their website. That's very helpful. And so I really appreciate your joy, your time, Joy, not only um, answering some of the questions that came up, but also providing some guidance for our listeners on where to go next. Um, and so we will redirect everyone um, to the CDC, to the World Health Organization, to the March of Dimes um, for more up-to-date information because we know this is ever-changing. And so this podcast, once again, was recorded on March 31st, but we know that day-to-day new information is becoming available. And so we really encourage you all to go there for your most up-to-date information. If there's any specific questions that we weren't able to address that you would love us to address, we are happy to record a follow-up podcast regarding this. So make sure um, you reach out to us on our website, devannurses.org. And we are happy to always address other suggestions for podcast topics. Um, So thank you, Joy, so much for your time. We appreciate you spending your evening here on Devan's Baby Buzz podcast, and we hope all of our listeners stay healthy. Thank you. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own.